Hi, welcome to the Sweaty Palms podcast. Sweaty Palms is a Belgium-based music platform that urges their community to discover and share new music and ideas from which relationships can be built. In our podcast, we'd like to dive into the minds of people we think have a huge influence on their scenes and surroundings, ranging from artists and promoters, passionate diggers, road creatives, and your average Joes. I'm your host, Eunice, an Android-based music producer, graphic designer, and apparently a podcast host. In this episode, we sit down with Fred Nasse, DJ since 1993, one of the founders of We Are Various, owner of Visitor Records, and host of Texture Radio. We talk about why tech house wasn't always a dirty word, DJing in South America, skate culture influencing music, and a whole lot more. Sit down, have yourself a warm cup of tea, and listen to the tales of Fred. Hello, uh, welcome to another episode of the Sweaty Palms podcast. I'm Eunice, and today I am joined by Fred Nasse. Hey Fred, uh, how are you doing? Hey Eunice, uh, everything okay, thanks. Uh, for the people who may not know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, all right, um, so actually I'm already DJing and in the scene like for now, I think around 27 years. I started in 1993. Um, when I was 18, I quickly started DJing. Um, yeah, I went out already quite early. But from 18 years old, I started really playing already in the clubs, and the clubs like at the Villa, Balmoral. So that was quite early. I started my first record DJing at home was around when I was 16. So yeah, quickly started uh, in a club. Um, um, so yeah, that's uh, how it started. Um, then it, it evolved. Uh, I played, yeah, in, in places like uh, as a resident in Balmoral at the Villa. But afterwards, it evolved, involved into the tech house scene where I was then resident at Cosmos. Started a record label, Visitor Records, uh, in that period. That was around 2000. Afterwards, I um, started my own radio show at Urgent FM in Gent. Um, that was Texture Radio. That's now already going on for 10 years. And then, like the last uh, three years, four years, um, I started, uh, yeah, an online radio station together with Nikolai from USA Import, and um, that's in a nutshell, a little bit. <laughs> that's a whole lot. Um, <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. What prompted you to start DJing? What was the the thing that you felt where you were, um, where you yourself felt that you should go and DJ? I guess it's a love for music, but what what started that specifically? Um, DJing specifically, um, actually that was because of a friend of mine. We went out together to, at the Villa, those clubs, the Cheops, Sherry Moon, the early days. Um, but I never thought of DJing myself. I was really into music, of course, but a friend of mine, Mickey, he, he called, he was, um, he said, come on, we have to start it. We, we, we both as a DJ duo, let's do it. I was really like, hmm, I don't know. Okay, let's try it. And then uh, we started at home, mixing a bit, both of us. But he um, he stopped quite quickly with it. He was more, he started then uh, promoting parties. Um, and I was, I think, 17, 18. And he was like the first one then to say, come on, I'm going to book you. And that was in the Sirau in Waregem. 
And uh, that was actually my, the first club where I could play my, yeah, my first records. And um, so, yeah, actually, I, if it was not by myself. It was uh, because of a friend who said, um, yeah, let, uh, um, yeah, let's do it and let's try it. And I continued and he stopped like after a year. It was uh, David Van Osse, a guy that I yeah, sometimes see still. Okay, interesting. Okay. Uh, so you're uh, originally from uh, West Flanders and now based in Antwerp. Yeah. Uh, how was the the music scene or, or vibe in general during the 90s in West Flanders? Was, was there a lot uh, going on that um, helped you uh, get to where you are or, or did you have to seek um, your, your needs elsewhere? Like in Ghent or... Uh, no, there was quite a lot where I lived in Kortrijk uh, and grew up. Um, there was a club uh, at the Villa in Koiham. So that was one of the biggest clubs in that moment in Belgium. There were maybe like seven clubs, Karat, Balmoral, Sherry Moon. It was in the, the time when there was still the magazine out soon. And then you had that seven, eight clubs. And um, it all started, then the guy who promoted it, uh, Mickey, he, he started a concept in a club, Waregem and Sirao. And um, actually, that was something new. Nobody knew it a bit, but um, he, he wanted also a concept like at the Villa. So I started there. He booked DJs from, uh, from uh, Marco, from La Roca, Fifi, uh, all there because he wanted to build a reputation. And uh, that started like one year and uh, people became to come. But the thing that exploded it, I exploded, I mean, that uh, started everything was because at the Villa, um, there was a, a, a burn, a, a, how do you say, a fire, sorry, a fire, yeah. a fire that really destroyed the whole building. And that was like a crime thing. Somebody uh, burned it. That, Arson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't know who did it, but that was a crime <laughs> investigation for years. Anyway, um, then um, the, the resident DJs like Fifi, Johan, um, they came to play in Sirau. So, of course, all those people, they... They needed a club, and so they all went to the Sierra Warkem, and that became really a, a very famous club in North France and Belgium. I was a resident there, so that really, for me, it was really uh, something that launched a bit my career. And um, so, yeah, and there was in Ghent also, of course, lots of clubs like Sherry Moon, the Balmoral After Club. And um, yeah, and I quickly started to play then also at the Balmoral, the After Club, that was at the Sunday afternoon. That was like a year after I, uh, or half a year after I started in Ciro. So that quickly, yeah, went on, that launched quickly everything. Yeah. Um, so you started DJing around 93. Uh, so I guess all of this is uh, early or mid 90s, um, mm -hmm. around the time I was born. So <laughs> I, I yeah. don't really have a <laughs> clear memory of that period. Um, what was the, the type of music that you were into at that point? Because uh, I know uh, you later started uh, Visitor, your uh, label, which focused around Tech House. Uh, what was it during the mid-90s that you were um, experimenting with as a DJ and also as yeah. like a listener? Um, the music, I think it was kind of, yeah, it was trends, of course. But now trends is like a, maybe a dirty word. People now say proto-trends. <laughs> but uh, in that period, it was trends like IQ, the label from Sven Veit. Um, but other also very good UK labels like Guerrilla Records um, that I bought a lot of it um, there was also Carl Greg with his record on Planet E
was really groundbreaking record in that time. I heard it the first time and at the villa it was like, whoa. Uh, yeah, with that voice, I, I was looking for that record like months till I found it. And um, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that kind of style. It was also at Detroit, UK, Germany. That Those were the three yeah, sounds that defined a bit that area. But also a, a Belgian record label, Dicky Records and, and Muskroon. That's uh, also like a record shop that really helped me a lot. Um, Dicky Records, um, I went there every Thursday afternoon at one o'clock. The shop came, went open and uh, I was like fr fr first one that was like, yeah, you have to be there because then you could get the best records. Mm. And he always kept uh, like 10, 20 records from me aside. And Fifi went there also. And I said, yeah, mm. he knew my, my style. So yeah. that was cool in that time. And I went also to Music Mania, of course. But Muskroon was for me, Dicky Records, one of them, a very important shop for me. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that uh, at the time, uh, you, you hear it a lot that record shops are the place to be uh, during the 90s and, and, and things like that to meet people and to discover new music because obviously the internet isn't a thing mm -hmm. yet or, or not as the way we know it now. Um, do you feel that, um, wait, let me rephrase that. Uh, the way you, so the, the connection you had with the record store and uh, the clubs around that area, uh, was it, do you feel that that created a scene or, or was it the same for everyone that, that went to that shop? Did they also play all the same clubs? Did they, did you share the uh, music together? Yeah. How did that grow? Yeah, I think people who went to the, at the, at the villa in Koeyham or um, like, or Balmoral, Maybe at the villa that that was people who went there and they wanted records. They went to the Dicky Records because that was kind of the vibe that they sold there. That kind of music. If you went to the Music Man in Ghent, then um, I think yeah, people in Balmoral. If you went to Balmoral and you wanted that kind of vibe, you went there. But of course, Dicky had also that vibe. But it was, I think, um, you could say that like mm, that has the, that shop has its own side sound that uh, and, and Muskroon has its own sound and I think here in Antwerp USN import will will would have a totally different vibe I think so um, but I, I didn't went that much to of course to Antwerp I was still 18 19 yeah. with the train I didn't uh, wanted to go that far but uh, it was also an iconic shop of course Kortrijk Antwerp is a long train ride yeah <laughs> I, can I know imagine. Um, so before you started DJing, you were uh, a skater, or you you uh, did a lot with uh, yeah. skating and, and music there. Uh, do you feel that uh, the music you discovered when you were skating a lot also uh, impacted your uh, DJ vision, or is it very separately? Uh... Oh, it, I don't think specifically my DJing, but um, for me, if I still um, think about it, it's my most important period in my life I think that skateboarding I did it so much was really obsessed by it by it if I came home around lunch I I, I quickly ate my my food my lunch and uh, took my board for 20 minutes and uh, I went I, I checked some um, uh, videos via VHS so that was really a one a period for three years that I was really into it and that defined a bit my yeah cultural interest if you skate and um, you, you look different to everything, I think. Um, also to the street. If still I, if I walk now, I sometimes look at curbs or, or stairs and I say, hmm. Um, so it's something, yeah. And, and I feel like people who started skating with me and that, and they all do something. He's a designer, he's a 
performer, a musician, a DJ. So it's, I think it's it's stimulating thing for to do afterwards something culturally. And so mm. that's uh, for me, yeah, an important period uh, at time. I didn't listen to dance, of course, in that because I was like maybe 14, 13. It was more, um, yeah, grunge, uh, Sonic U, Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. If I there is there one video that for me defines it all is a bit like video days, with um, yeah that Sonic Youth part with uh, Gonzalez mm -hmm. uh, um, and Gonz and uh, Rudy Johnson and uh, Jason Lee. I still have it on v on VHS, so it's I, for me it's a really important. Something that I notice a lot with people I talk to, I've never been a skater per mm -hmm. se, uh, even though I've always found the culture around it very interesting. Um, and what, as an outsider for me, always separated it is how um, skating is, is a sport, but it's so much more than that and, and the way everything is ingrained. And a lot of the people that you meet who skate always end up uh, in creative fields, uh, which I've always found very interesting that how skating is so much more creative in a way than uh, a lot of other sports like say if you play basketball basketball is very defined in its rules yeah, and the way it's played thing, right? while skating is yeah. a free-for-all and come up with things as you go yeah that's uh, right you you you, you go to Ali, and, and especially in my time you, you, there wasn't even there was not much skate parks we went to ostende and um yeah there was a small spot that we knew three stairs we, we went to ostende just for those three stairs um, and now you have all those skate parks where you really can uh, focus on on tricks, but then that moment we were running through the streets and you had to quickly check for a bench or a, or something a cool curb and yeah you were so concentrated and uh, in details I don't know you look at a different way to the world I think and it has to be because uh, if you see all those people who started their career there and one of um, yeah, if I have to give one example and uh, somebody where I still look up to for the moment is like a Spike Jones. He's, yeah, if you look at his career, it's like, it's still an incredible inspiration what he did and still does incredible. No. Yeah, Spike Jones is uh, amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, the way he also, uh, what, what I noticed with Spike Jones is how he, uh, the people he grew up with uh how they're also doing very interesting things and how they keep working together uh like spike jones obviously amazing in film uh but then the bc boys doing music and then them coming together yeah. after all these years and doing something together again and it's, it's uh cool to see how that keeps evolving and how people keep reinventing their themselves but keep coming back to the essence of it all yeah um which is what i feel that skateboarding and music have in common a lot um, even though I've never seen And I think actually, it's, uh, I, I tell now that example from in the States, but I think and also in Amsterdam you have that, like young Marco. And um, I'm not sure about... Um, um, how, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm just lost a bit his name. Um, yeah, another guy from uh, all the red light... Red, uh, or Morfe uh, wait, 
Oh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, lost, but his name. Okay. But anyway, um, there were also creatives who came from the scene, uh, from the skateboard scene, and they started also Tech Mantle, Rush Hour. That, that Amsterdam scene is also a little bit built from that skateboarding. I'm pretty sure I mean, there's people that I know that, that, were, that grew up in there. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, like you said, if you work together, you create new scenes, new parts, new creative. That's important. And um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's skip ahead in time a little yeah. bit. Uh, so you've, after you skated and you started DJing, um, seven years into your career, you started a label called Visitor. Uh, what prompted you to start a label? I mean, now in, in 2020, it's easy to open a Bandcamp account or get a DistroKid and upload music to uh, the, the internet. Uh, but at the time, I guess it was way more uh, intensive and, and financially a yeah. uh, bigger thing to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I uh, had a little bit, a bit help, of course, because I started working in the, in the record company News in Ghent. Um, I started working there, I think, around five, 95, 96. Um, so I was, of course, at the source. So um, uh, in the beginning, I, I, I did there the import. I, I ordered records for other shops here in Belgium. That was a bit my job. But um, yeah, I went also a lot in that period um, to, um, to London. Um, that was with my girlfriend then. Uh, we went to the end, the club, the end. Um, and for me, that was incredible, inspiring. That club, that was uh, the club from Mr. C. And people like Darren Emerson, Lyo and Bushwaka, um, yeah, even David Holmes, Basement Jacks came there. So I went there like every three weeks or every month to London. Just uh, we went to the club, the end, and we, we, we took the, the first train back. So, um, and I was very inspired into that music. I, I, I began to, to know people there, building a little network. And I wanted, and, and I was also a bit producing records myself. And I did already a couple of re, uh, releases on, on, a, on a small label. But then I said, okay, I'm going to start my own label. And uh, I was at News. I, I told it to Stefan, uh, the manager. And he said, okay, uh, that's cool. There's not a label yet uh, for that specific sound. It was tech house. Yeah, now people refer to, of course, I like tech house. But in that period, it was more house, tech house. It was not that big difference. But um, I felt there was a gap here in the Benelux for that style. There was not, not even a label who did that. And I said, hmm, okay, I'm going to release my own thing on there. And I, I contact some people like Nathan Coles, um, Niels Hess from Get Fucked. And they did the first remix of my track. And yeah, it really, uh, that was really uh, not a big success, but people played it around the world. Everybody knew it, that track. The first visitor and the second, that was really, it was on a couple of UK compilations. It was on the, on the shortlist of the new, uh, first Fabric CD from Terry Francis, but it didn't make it. Uh, unfortunately, it was on the Fuse CD. So that started it and then 
I, I, I went, I still kept on going to the clubs like The Ented Fabric, that's just started. And I, uh, I asked people like uh, Eddie Richards, who's really a legend, um, Asad Rizvi, um, all those kind of people to do a track. And uh, they really were into the label visitor. So um, that started. But of course, I didn't, it was um, run to also with news. So yeah. uh, my, the record company, it's not like that. I did it all on myself. I had, of course, the help from uh, news and uh, mm -hmm. that financial help, of course. But it launched uh, my international career a bit then in that moment because I, uh, I had to play a lot in uh, abroad thanks to that label yeah, yeah. okay uh it, it's yeah i think having the um having news uh help you out i think is a very uh, stress relieving thing at the time um whereas you can just focus on the artistry of it all uh getting the right artists in and then uh, as you said, filling the gap that is in the Benelux for that style of music at the time. Uh, you refer to that tech house is like a, a thing now. What, what do you mean by that specifically? Um, yeah, maybe I, I, it's, it's my thoughts. But some like tech house five years ago, six years or eight years ago, it, it's all, it was also a little dirty word, but that's normal because after the good that good there was a good period around 2000 2004 that really amazing stuff that came out but of course like with every style there's so much um releases coming out that uh, eventually it 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 it, it dies that uh, there's it, it's always the same formula and of, and then people were really sick of tech house me too i i didn't like it anymore so i think therefore that tech house people think of still that boring but that's not true when I still listen to the really good stuff, I think it's still strong. And um, but not everything, of course, like in every style. So that's why I said. Yeah, I think in genres, it's always uh, it's a given that at some point it dilutes down to so far from the essence that it's not uh, as interesting anymore. Yeah. When when something new happens, uh, for me, something that I would uh, think of is is when dubstep happened. It was very interesting and new and fresh. But after a few years, it started getting away from what it was and, and, and it mm -hmm. wasn't as interesting anymore to me um but i think at some point it always circles back like music always circles back to the beginning uh i think with dubstep that's been happening for a few years yeah, and maybe true. with tech house as well now uh how do you feel about that do you think it's going back to what it used to be for you or do you think it's still in the let's say dirty uh thing no, that you don't um like? i think that's what i uh, noticed the last year that people pick it up again and i think when uh, dj says like jack jacksopolis uh jamie tiller moxie did a special on nts two uh, two, uh, two hours and if you listen to it I, I was also thinking yeah damn it still sounds good you don't have to listen to it three hours in a row but if you put some good tracks in, in a set it really can uh, sound refreshing and I think this year I see a little revival. I don't see that in new releases, but I think people are looking again to older stuff. And um, yeah, and, and, and that's maybe also why I'm gonna, um, that Visitor, it's, it's never the, the Visitor records. We, we did like, I think 48 releases um, and it's gonna be available soon. Um, again, uh, digital, but that's uh, something that Ali uh, will, uh, be, be more info very soon on that so keep, yeah keep an eye out on those hmm. visitor releases yeah. coming back um you've done 48 releases you said i think so uh, yeah something like that yeah uh so from what time uh from 2000s until when did you actively 
run visitor then? I think 2005, something. Oh, yeah. yeah, so five years, four or five years, something so like that. So it's a lot that. of releases for five years as well. Yeah, yeah. we did like every two months uh, a release. Uh, and then there was a remix sometimes. But yeah, there's like, if I, when I look back to it and uh, I went to the catalog, yeah, still people, very d diverse people uh, from Paris to London to even Canada. Um, mostly in London because that was a scene and that was also where I was most into it and my own releases were also on there so yeah that was a five six years and then I started another label more um, that was uh, with uh, Guy J and Guy Gerber um, he also did a release on it but that that was Dogtown Records and I only that only lasted for seven years six, uh, sorry for six or seven releases and yeah that went a bit quiet stopped also earlier with that why did you uh, switch from label was it did you want to do a different style or, or uh... no because um after uh, there's not uh, that's something also specific i think in um in record labels there's not much labels who can really run 100 releases 200 releases people lose interest after a while you have to be very strong to keep it going you have to invent yourself always i try to do that but i felt also in the end hmm that sound, there's not that much new coming out. And if you want to do something new, another style, that wouldn't be possible with a visitor. People, after 47 releases, you can't do that anymore. I think you have to do it after four or five releases. And maybe in that time, I wasn't maybe mature enough to really already think about, mm, we have to do it at a, at a very diverse. It was also another mindset in that time now people want to go very broad with the label which is good and it's needed now but um that's why yeah and um there's not that i think and there's not that much labels who you can say whoa they did 100 releases and it's still so fresh soma did it um I think a uh, more recent, I think music from memory will also be a label that's hmm, that's gonna stand out for long strom but um, uh, older labels, um, you can count it on your two hands, I think. Yeah, I think that's also a thing that you have when an artist has a very specific uh, sound and genre that he works in, where I think that's, that's a thing that happens a lot in dance music, uh, where people work in a specific genre. Um, so if you sign five artists in that genre, uh, then it's that genre that your label is. Uh, whereas I think now with um, you get people who don't want to be pinned down to a certain genre and, and go very broad and, and uh, stick more to their own sound, mm -hmm. which is something I'm also a fan of, where as a label or as an artist, you have a way bigger way of, of presenting yourself. Um, and I think that's, yeah, a reason where, um, where labels in dance music are having a hard time to, to break out of that. Even now, I think, even now there's a lot of labels that I see that where I know if I'm going to click on a new release, I know what I'm going to get, which is not a bad thing per se, but it's that's what you get. And if you then hear something else, you're yeah, you're always like, oh, didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but sometimes it's also good that uh, you have an own, own style, eh? that people know, okay, like Dark Entries, for example, you know it's a bit that wave electro sound, and that's good because I don't want to hear a record, an ambient record. I wouldn't, I would say, mm. So that's also good. Strom, you know, it can uh, it can be maybe an, an older thing, a reissue, but mostly it's also more atmospheric um, uh, wave. Ali, he goes broad. You have, but they have also a kind of a vibe that you uh, expect. So, 
you cannot go too broad because then you don't have an identity on your label unless you so you have to think about it and it's more difficult now than earlier i think mm -hmm. there's so much labels around and uh, especially bandcamp but um but still um yeah another label that i maybe wanted to mention is also emotional response or uh, rescue that's um, a more reissue label but i know the guy who runs it uh, chuggy and he's um yeah he's 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 maybe a guy that you think of, well he he knows his stuff it's always quality his taste and he can uh, bring out a, a dub a record record or maybe a wave or an ambient record that i i believe that's it. so you cannot pinpoint it or define it that you say yeah th this works or that works it's it, it depends on everything no i think f for me personally uh running a label or, or curating a label is very much like curating a specific artist's catalog or curating a, a DJ set. It's a, it's a specific vibe. It, like if I would ever run a label, then I would go more for a specific vibe that if release one is this, uh, release two could be this. Like you could take your um, fans to the second release, uh, which is how I think a label could also function. Uh, whereas it, it's fine to have a label in a very specific thing. It, but I think more like what a Strom does is curate a certain vibe. And, and I think after a few releases, your fans will really know what you stand for. And if, if, you're, if you stand for um, unpredictability, then they'll be fine with unpredictability. Mm -hmm. It's hard to brand unpredictability, but it's possible. I think it's I've, uh, there's a lot of successful uh, cases of, of that happening. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah. But, but it, uh, it's an interesting way to look at how you can define a label because i also think that labels nowadays should be redefined it's it's no longer very beneficial to ask an artist to put out something on your label if you don't have anything more to offer than just putting something out because anyone can no. put anything out nowadays you can go impress and, and, and an important thing that uh that stefan once told me uh, when i still worked at news and I, I think it was really the truth is um if you manage a label, you have to be somebody who, who is known in the world. You have to tour, and that really helps. And, and if you see about labels that I really, yeah, uh, appreciate and love, like yeah, Strom, maybe you have Ziggy. He's, he's also a big person you believe in. He, he's got a very good taste. You just believe it. Jamie Tillard, same. Um, people, yeah. And if, if they DJ around the world, that helps also for your label to involve it, to know new people. If you stay home or you, you just play here and you're, that will be more difficult to build an international label, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, that's really something. And that's maybe also with Visitor. In the beginning, I toured really a lot in the in, abroad, like from Argentina to uh, Miami to Croatia. And yeah, that that helped to build the label, and that's um, something I think to build a successful label, you have to think about that. And um, that, yeah. Yeah. How did uh, that first happen? Your first gig abroad uh, was that because of Visitor or, or different um, Yeah, I think Visitor mostly, of course. And um, yeah, they knew the label. Then that was via mail. You, there was no social media, <laughs> of course, nothing. But I sometimes had an interview or and and a couple of UK magazines like Music. I had some small uh, yeah feature in, in the in the tech house section, <laughs> and people knew it and they yeah they mailed or I don't know mailed. I think even I, uh, how it went. It was 1999. 
Um, but I had a booking a manager a bit, and um, then, um, yeah, that went from yeah all those places. But but that was all without social media, nothing, of course. And uh, you played in, uh, in Buenos Aires, and then you had to go to uh, Miami, Atlanta, the all those and and UK or uh, Sheffield. I, I have lots of yeah places that are really. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> it was, was around 2000. What was your most memorable tour or show in abroad that you can think of? Most memorable? If there's one that I still think of, it's, it's in the, the one in Argentina, um, in Buenos Aires, uh, because it was in the Pasha uh, there, and it was really storming that evening. And um, outside were the Chemical Brothers who played, and uh, we were playing in the... In, in, in the club and I know there was that storm outside and everybody wanted to come in and it was like really I said oh my god if there's a fire here or something going wrong now this is uh, this is going to be very bad and everybody was you couldn't move anymore nothing so yeah in that time there was not like such such a secure restrictions like now yeah. <laughs> it was not that safe at least safe but that was something that I still sometimes think about and it was a nice uh, yeah but in Paris also, there was a club, uh, Philippe Gall, that uh, I went a couple of times and always a good time. That was then more, I, play, I stayed in a couple of days in Paris and yeah. uh, other other memories, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. it's funny to how your first reaction is, oh my God, if a fire breaks out, this is not going to be safe. Whereas I guess other people would be like, yes, the crowd is full. I can go uh, all yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you couldn't, if, if I had to go to the toilets, you couldn't really, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't go there unless you take an hour to go through the people if i think about it now in that corona <laughs> mindset and then it's still even more frightening you know very uh, very no, no. <laughs> okay cool um so after djing abroad for for a while uh and then playing crazy places all over uh running visitor and then your second label for a little bit um you started with texture yeah um can you tell us a bit more about that? That was uh, I started it actually um, also because of somebody again who said, "Hey, you want to do a program?" So that's a little bit. It's also not that I said, "Yeah," and I said, "Okay, let's try it." And um, and it was at Urgent, Melanie. She called. She was a bit uh, doing uh, the the managing of the Urgent at that time of the programming. But it was also a bit of a time where I didn't play that much anymore. So I said, "Hmm, I still want to feel that music, and, and I still buy a lot." And um, yeah, that started. It uh, that was like once a month then, but then quickly I, I tried to do it every week, every Thursday evening, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty proud of it to be honest. Because um, if I look back at it, and uh, everybody that I invited, all um, Belgian people like Victor de Roo, he was his first time. He came to that show. Felix Close, a guy from Ghent, who really is a good DJ, and. Also his first time there, and um, and yeah, that was every week, and it was for me lots of work to prepare it. But people listened to it. Uh, I think in that in that moment, uh, there wasn't that much elsewhere. Also uh, on that kind of vibe, and every week, and um, yeah, and I, afterwards I did parties with it, um, and. Um, and the White Cat in Ghent, and I invited more international DJs like uh, Susanna Croft to Apiento, Zambon, Steel Bonus, uh, yeah, Wolf Muller, all those people that I really l liked. And um, I brought it to Ghent, and 
or did something around it with texture. It's, uh, I lost money with it mostly because, of course, yeah, the people mostly said, hmm, who is that? And they didn't know it that much. And again, to be honest, sometimes it's not that easy to get people to a, to a club where they don't know the, the DJ name. And in Brussels, that's totally different. But in Ghent, and if you have another co competition in Ghent, then uh, some, and who's most more popular, then yeah, yeah. you're actually you're fucked a bit. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was fun time. I really know, knew, started to know a lot of people by that, just by inviting them. And uh, that's something also that I would recommend to people to start things up because that's you, you, where your network starts to yeah broaden. Yeah, you need that, and that costs money. It's investment, but you will get a return on it. Yeah. yeah. Even if the return isn't monetary, uh, yeah. network is yeah. more, may, way more um, slipped up in my English for a mm -hmm. bit. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Why Why did you choose to do it uh, weekly instead of monthly? Because you started off monthly and then switched to weekly. Uh, yeah. Um, I think because of the, um, how do you say, the challenge. Every week I said, that's cool. And... Uh, then you're every week with bit with and I had so much records also that I said mm, I have enough to do that every week, and I wanted to also do sometime an ambient mix or soundtrack mix. So I didn't every week the new ones. As, as I challenged myself also and to do other stuff, and I'm happy that I did it because I, I bought so much music because I needed to buy it. If you don't play that much anymore, why should you buy every week? You need a, a, a stimulation and a, to do, do that and. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was uh, intense. Definitely, I still know that I had to be at my room until one o'clock. And I said, ah, I'm not going to make it that tomorrow. I don't feel it. I don't know what to do. But eventually, always, every week, was always quite happy at the end what I did. Um, so And that started my interest in radio. That uh, really, f that was my... I, I preferred radio even more than just DJing in a club because maybe I became older. Yeah, maybe. But I also think radio as a format is is, is very different. Uh, I mean, a club is very much focused on dancing, yeah. uh, getting there. Um, but radio format allows you to do so much more and be more creative with the way you present music. As yeah. I said earlier, like for a label, curating a vibe is very important. But I think for a radio show, it's even more important because you want to keep the listener for an hour, two hours, however long you're doing it. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think after DJing in a club for so long, yeah. that's a very different mindset to get into. Yeah, and maybe that's the reason why I, I liked it so much. I, get, I had like a second breath, breath. like I, I don't know if that's the, 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 the correct English verb, but um, I think maybe I was fed up a bit with that that um, that pressure to, uh, for, to, to be booked one hour and then uh, to provide the best tunes and that people are happy, but with radio, that's off your shoulder and you do you you you, you choose your own direction and uh, and the clubs sometimes it's not always that easy i'm i'm coming from a moment in uh, that i played like 5 hours a night every week and uh, that was like maybe 10 hours in a weekend on my own and then you could move, uh, put the set the mindset but after a while people the party organizers they they wanted to book seven people in one evening and yeah, I, I still prefer that moment, that period when I was playing seven hours after each other, then you can build a story. And that's like I, uh, in the beginning when I still went to Fuse in the early days with Laurent Garnier. That was definitely also an influence for me. 
and in radio maybe yeah that's um, you can do your own thing again that's uh, maybe that where that 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 i got inspired again yeah. with radio and that club was like okay i had it uh, still love to do it eh? but not like i wouldn't love to do it every week and every friday saturday no uh, it's a different kind of pressure than doing a radio show a radio show is pressure to find new music but uh going to a club is pressure to find new music pressure to be there pressure to uh, perform because you have a crowd mm -hmm. but there's a lot of different um small things that that influence the way you work in a club or as opposed to a radio show and I guess that after years, that is something that you just don't want to do every week anymore, as you said. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I understand completely. Yeah. Um, from Urgent FM, you later moved your show to the Word mag uh, to the Word after they did yeah. the magazine. Yeah, I was a bit um, tired with uh, Urgent. I, I still love it, but I mean, I, I didn't get, uh, I didn't see it evolve like I wanted it because they did the website and all that stuff. I said, hmm. That's not going to still in 10 years be the same here. And the Word magazine started with online radio, but I was already in my mind. I had it also already. Uh, I was looking for already somebody to start in my own station, but I never found somebody. And, and then the Word started and I said, OK, yeah, maybe I should do my radio show over there. And I started there then. Um, that went on for two years, I think. But quickly after they started, um, I actually was already talking with Nikolai here in Antwerp um, to start our own online radio station. I was already in that, I had that idea already a long time. Uh, I went to the online radio uh, festivals in Amsterdam and uh, it gave me so much inspiration. And when I heard those people, uh, when I went to London, like uh, it was maybe uh, how the period, but it was five six years ago and then I, I visited NTS with uh, Chuggy the guy from emotional response because I knew him and uh, we uh, it was, I, I met also those people like Charlie Bones we, we say hey and uh, I, I actually I didn't know even then who it was he, he wasn't that known definitely not yet and um, but it, it it said damn it I need I want to do also something like that in Belgium but I never found somebody because you cannot do it on your own mm -hmm. it's impossible and uh, again, I started with somebody uh, talking, but at the end I said, no, 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 he's not, uh, that's not going to work. And uh, then, yeah, in Antwerp, luckily, when I just moved here, I talked with Nikolai from US Import. He was really directly on the same mindset. He had a great URL, a domain name, wearevarious.com. I said, oh my God, right away said, this is the best name ever. And um, especially for a radio station, we are various and .com. And uh, yeah, and of course, I, I know Nicola already so long uh, from the news and yeah, but yeah, of course, you have to talk about it, think how you do it. So we were a bit here in Belgium, the third then to really start it after a kiosk and uh, um, the word radio. So um, yeah. yeah, that involved a bit there. Yeah, yeah I mean, mean. So uh, you and Nicola go way back then. Uh, yeah, from news uh, when I still uh, ordered the records for the Belgian record shop and news. Nikolai came over, um, yeah, to order his records for news uh, for for his shop. So we knew each other, but not that good, of course. Always a bit, hey, yo, how, how are yeah, you? Yeah. And that's, <laughs> but we talked here, and uh, there it was a good vibe, and um, yeah. So then, when you moved to Antwerp, he was one of the people that you figured, oh maybe I could uh, 
make my dream a reality here. Yeah, with, uh, it was actually via Edwin from Ed and Kim. He um, he heard he knew it that he wa he talked once with Nikolai about the radio with the radio that Nikolai was also looking for somebody. And then I talked to Nick, uh, Edwin about it. He heard it. I said, hey, but why don't you talk to Nikolai? He's also looking for somebody. And I was like, okay. And then we met, and um, it was like seven, eight years that we didn't see each other any anymore. So, but that was right away a good talk. So, um, yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's coincidence. If I didn't have talked to Edwin, uh, maybe yeah, I never would have thought about it, and maybe said, okay, stop it. I'll, it will never, or I do, would have done something else, still in music, but maybe not that. Yeah. Uh, actually, but I would still have dreamed about it. I'm sure because uh, I was already long. It's not something that I would say, okay, I'll stop it. If I want something and I dream about it, I'll, I'm going to still try to do it. And even if it's not working the first three, four years. Okay. So you've been uh, doing We Are Various for two years now? Uh, almost three years almost in March, three. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it started out, so you, you've always wanted to do something in online radio. Uh, and it started out small and then grew really fast over these years. Um, what do you feel that you're that the place uh, of We Are Various is in the radio landscape? Because as you said, there's Kiel's Gears, yeah. uh, World Radio. Where do you feel that We Are Various plays in all that? Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think that we are already there. Definitely not. Um, um, but yeah, we're more... We're, I think we, we don't do streaming like seven hours a day. We only choose one or two people um, a day. And we focus on them and uh, they get the full intention the whole day with a post or maybe even blog. I would prefer that everybody does something like that or uh, good or relevant. But that's the difference that we do. We, we focus on, a, on one person um, and we also go very broad, but that's most stations, of course, it's not uh, only Electronica. Maybe Red Light was a bit more uh, Electronica, but I think Kiosk is also pretty broad. But the difference, I think what is important with us is the community. Here, I, that's what I, we want to build also, something in Antwerp where we can work with cultural houses. And the last year, that really went better and better where, with the contacts with uh, Trix, Revierenhof. Uh, and um, if you want to be a community radio, that's what you need. Eh? You need to help people who start here and um, yeah, make connections, make communities. And that's what uh, for Antwerp is, the, is, is important. Yeah, yeah, it's very important to... Uh, keep a healthy community as you said uh and, and circling back to the label days um the branding and and how your um uh whatever the project is you're working on how it feels and looks uh yeah. is, is very important which i think we are very is really well uh the the branding is very current uh it's it's very now or something like online radio over the years, uh, there's been a lot of different uh, radio stations popping up all over the world yeah. and, and a lot getting really popular and not. And um, in that way, it's very different from commercial regular radio, whereas there's a there's a very big, um, there's a lot of freedom in what you can do with mm -hmm. online radio. Yeah. Like this podcast, airing it on, on radio is not something that you would regularly see on no. uh, a regular radio station which is interesting and that that's what for me we are various does uh very well the way it's possible to come up with a crazy idea and uh like you could tune in on a sunday and hear jazz music at one and then kitschy bangers at six mm -hmm. and that that is 
it's weird, yeah. but at the same time, it, it really, um, it, it it's what Antwerp is. Mm-hmm. Antwerp as a city is very crazy and broad and 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 constantly renewing itself. Yeah. which I think uh, we are various reflects really well. Yeah, and I'm happy to, that uh, that uh, yeah that that we're doing it because I, I started to know so much people with it and uh, know, knowing the scene because I, I lived in Ghent before. And some people that I never heard of when you live in Ghent that live here in, 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 uh, in Antwerp and doing some really good stuff. Yeah, that was really totally a new world. I said, huh, is that so much? Is that so known? And actually, they're really good. But uh, like Levin Martens in Ghent, not that much known, but uh, abroad, he's known. But he's also somebody that I started to know and listen to. And I said, hmm. So that's really nice. And that's also the advantage of it. But, um, Alain. We're only, we're not even, uh, we're almost three years now, but I see it more like something in five, six years then. Yeah, it's still, it's all a bit low budget, of course. You don't have budgets like a Radio 1 or I don't know, like an NTS. They also now already almost 10 years. They exist. So you, you cannot do it in two years. You need to build it up. Sometimes I, I wish it could go very much faster, but if it goes very fast, then you fall also really quick. So it's not. It's, it's good that we build that we go organic, not right away ten thousand Instagram followers, you know, and then you get of every post seven likes, and and actually that's not important at all that likes and all that stuff. But I prefer to build to grow organically, and see hmm, those people go and the residents they they every year they want to be part of the story and you 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 grow new people with it that's more important than to start with 100 residents in one year that's never going to work because you cannot manage them all and you make them you cannot make them happy all together unless you're really a very solid machine like nts is now and they can now they have that formula with where they can even pay their residents mm. and that's a perfect uh, uh end step Ali, end step or a goal so um yeah, yeah that's so important to grow organically because people want it uh, these days also fa- everything fast and they're disappointed if it's not uh, we don't have that much followers or we don't have that much reactions and it's of course you have to learn ab- of it but sometimes w- wait just believe in yourself and, and let it grow organically and do what you believe in and um yeah evolve uh, but i mean yeah evolve and also evaluate and um yeah yeah, I think it's always good to look back at what you've done in the past uh, within the project you're working mm-hmm. in and then see how far you've grown in a year or, or from when you started uh, because it's easy to get lost in what you're doing if you don't look back once in a while. Obviously, you need to look yeah. forward, but thinking back is, is never a bad thing. And I think that uh, that organic uh, growth that you're talking about is something that you really notice and feel um, with the way the radio is going if you didn't do the radio like if you hadn't found a person to do it with uh what would you have done then would you have come back to being a club dj another label no. something completely different no club dj i don't think so because yeah, I, i'm also a little bit really not yeah maybe too old i don't know ali too old i still can play no, but i mean well yeah um <laughs> the people youngsters from 17 20 25 I think that they prefer, I'm not going to attract any more like thousands of hundreds of people. I'm, I'm not into communities anymore of 17 years old. That's, you have to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I need that, those people to attract them to, to clubs. And um, so that's for focusing only on that. That's not never going to work. But 
to be honest, I think as if it, the radio didn't work, I still would have looked for some somebody that I could start it with because I would never have said fucked. I don't do it. No, with this, uh, there's nothing. There hasn't been something that I really was so focused on and believed in like this. And every day I I do something on the side about on it or. If I think about it, I'm always so motivated. Um, so yeah, I think it would be impossible. Like I said, I don't do that anymore. I would be uh, pretty unhappy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm glad you found uh, yeah. the person to do it with then, because else we wouldn't have a place to broadcast either. Um, so it's very great. Um, uh, so on We Are Various, you have a lot of different types of shows. Uh, is there a show that uh, for you really like comes to mind where you're like, this is what I, I'm happy to have, like we're happy to have this kind of show or, or this uh, specific show or, or whatever. It's, uh, I think it's a mixture. Um, I'm happy like that these kind of, like this podcasts can go on on, on air. I think that's really uh, something that uh, is educative and uh, inspiring, um, but also people like Danish and Confuse, something that I really like for the moment, but there's so much actually like Underground Wave Sessions is also somebody I really like, uh, but there's so much. I think everybody on, 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 on the roster has something to tell and mm. um, I, I cannot say that is better than this. No, they have no, something to tell, but I know what you mean, but I'm happy that it go went broader now and even uh, with uh, there's an Alice Kitsch that's really uh, not even my I, yeah, that's not my style at all. But there's a, there's a people on it, and the girl who does it, she's real, and she also believes in that. And that's for me the most important. If somebody is believing it and they have a true story behind it, for me they can do everything. Then do it, but not um, not if it's something. Oh, that's the new latest trend. Uh, gonna do something about it? No, that's for me. No, so I don't believe that. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you also have uh, one of the shows that uh, comes back regularly is uh, uh, music to share plates, music for sharing plates. Yeah. Um, I know we are various has a strong connection with food as well uh, with Nikolai's um, background in in, in uh, horeca mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Because uh, I think at the two year uh, launch there was a where I was there was a the show with food. Yeah, I know. You could go yeah. Eat. Um, so how how is your connection with food uh do you do, are you someone who likes to eat a lot as well yeah but i'm a bit lazy on cooking maybe myself oh, I've, um, i'm not like a, the most exper experimental person when to, when it comes to doing itself but yeah food of course is important and uh, the combination with music that works and i believe in that um, if, to give one example brilliant corners in london that's also something that uh, that was yeah that's for me an inspiration uh create music and super food um and that's why in the beginning we we, we focused on that and I, it, it was a strong concept of course now this year with so much the the restaurants who, who closed and uh yeah with lots of other work it it went a bit in the background but mm. to be honest i would still love to do it again and we do it now with amigo and ghent the music for sharing plates and uh, if it wasn't that lockdown and all that stuff, um, I'm sure we, we would also do something in that restaurant itself. So it will come. Yeah. But um, but it's true. One of my best memories of uh, We Are Various for the moment is that one with that uh, Japanese food. Eh? Yeah. The, that one that was a full house. And uh, yeah, 
somebody who's played uh, Japanese city pop and synth um, the whole evening and uh, that was incredible that was really whoa that was actually unique I think yeah yeah I, I think it's very unique how uh, food plays a role in music like it's food is very creative as itself um, during the, the first lockdown I read a book from uh, Questlove where he was talking about he did a few books this one was more about creativity but um, he talked about how he was researching a book about food that he uh, wrote before and how he went to um, this uh, restaurant in Tokyo where a Japanese food um, chef, sorry, where a Japanese chef made um, a course that felt like a DJ set, the way it was uh, put together. Like it felt like the starter was very light and mm. soft and, it, yeah, cool. and, and, he, and he started thinking about it that way. And it's a very interesting train of thought that i'd never um thought about before in my life until now and then uh seeing you guys doing more with um food and then radio was mm. very interesting and and it made me think about how that factored in a lot um which is why for um my last question that i, I want to ask is uh, and something that we always ask our, our guests is if you would have to describe your musical taste as a dish what would you describe it as hmm Okay, um, <laughs> I didn't um, think about that yet, um, but uh, my musical taste in a dish, um, you mean um, menus or just one dish? It could be menus, it could yeah. be one dish, it could be whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I'll, if you want, I'll give you yeah, an example yeah. uh, of someone. Uh, so DTM Funk, our first guest, uh, said he, his DJ sets are very eclectic and crazy. So if he would uh, describe his sets or something as a dish, it, it would be uh, a tagine with a lot of um, like African flavors. Mm. That they're very spicy, but also like uh, Belgian things and, and stuff like that. Just anything could go in the tagine. That's yeah. what he would describe. Ah, okay, like as. that, yeah. Um, I would prefer then, I think, um, is... Um, yeah, some, something that uh, you, you get into... Uh, a, a light starter and um yeah a very yeah rich um menu the second plate and then the dessert yeah that gets you wanting for more and actually with the um, last music for sharing plates i try to do that also uh in that mix like uh, to think about somebody who's having dinner he starts a bit uh, with something light and then his meal is there and then afterwards he wants to go swimming and really he's got full of energy and yes and uh, i don't uh, maybe that is that now dancing the whole evening but yeah so, something uh, but which specific menu that is <laughs> that's a difficult one of course but I mean, that's a bit what, what i would describe for menu okay maybe uh, to make it a little bit more specific without like putting names on it uh taste wise would it be something spicy something very salty something sweet like what is uh a combination of flavors that you would describe yeah. your I would make it maybe so a very good meal. I need something that, uh, but with one flavor that is new that you don't know yet, but it's like it, it stays in your mouth the whole evening then afterwards and you're really happy with it, that it stays in your mouth. I know that this, this sounds maybe very bizarre, but I wouldn't say that it's something very spicy. No, I would prefer one small thing that you remember and um, that's that, that you, yeah, still in your mouth. One I don't know. standout flavor. Mm? Yeah, yeah, yeah actually that. But, okay. But what is that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have it sometimes, if, but it's just uh, when I went to Martino in Ghent. <laughs> I know. 
it's not maybe the most uh, first uh, old cuisine, but uh, with uh, steak martino, that was also something that I always did before going out or when I have to play the whole evening. And when you went there, you were full. Uh, you had a, you couldn't go to sleep afterwards. That was impossible because it was too much. But you have that taste in your mouth. And I always like, hmm, okay, I went to Martino. And, and in a good way, yeah? because you can have that also in a bad way. But that's something, yeah, maybe that's uh, maybe okay. something that I can say. The steak okay. Martino. <laughs> if anyone knows, if you, if you also feel that thing that it's in your mouth, but you can't describe, please let us know. I want to know. I want to have that uh, taste <laughs> in my mouth as well. Uh, Fred, thank you so very much for uh, being here. I really enjoyed this talk and I learned a lot about uh, music and, and scenes and, and times that I did not experience. Um, so thank you very much. Is there anything that you would like to add? Uh, uh, no, I enjoyed also the, the talking. I, I wasn't very much prepared. There's sometimes I, 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 I'm already now 27 years doing this thing with music and uh yeah but sometimes i forget also stuff and it's good now sometimes to look back at it because now with our social media all those stuff well it's but from 90s to 2000 there happened so much cool stuff that i sometimes think of and um you don't have any memories of it photos but it's good sometimes to look back and think about it from hmm, what did i do then and um yeah it was an interesting uh time that uh, so uh, it's very good to hear. Um, thank you, Matez, mm -hmm. aka Kona, and Lars, DJ Peugeot. Sorry, I butchered your name for uh, have, giving the, the time and uh, things for us to have this talk. Um, check out the rest of the episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast to. And we hope to see you again soon. Thank you.